clearing corners i'm matt here with cam jared you're back cam was that good enough that's good that's good enough clean, intro. Clean. thank you thank you good to be back again you see what i have to deal with jared. i know hey you guys decided to do this nobody together. else can see it but when nobody else is around this is what i gotta put up with is it good enough cam all right well even though I know you haven't heard them yet, because apparently you think that we left off on... What do you think we left off on? Yeah, the last time I was here. Yeah, sorry. I'm not caught up. <laughs> I didn't see a, an update on Facebook that said, hey, new episode's out. No. You need to check your Facebook. All right, I will. Make sure I'm following. Make sure everyone checks your Facebook. We actually have had quite a few people um, have questions about qualified immunity. If you have questions about qualified immunity, we touched upon it. We encourage everyone to continue to do your research, um, but we're going to move along. Got a good kind of follow-up to vehicle pursuit. It is about pursuits, but this one has to do with the physical run-after foot pursuit. Um, I think what we'll talk about today just has to do with what we think about. What we think about when we go into these situations and what the public needs to understand I've got a, a clip that I'd like to play. It's going to launch into what we're going to be talking about. But this is very similar. This one ends quite a bit different than most foot pursuits, I would say. But it's a good conversation piece as to, I know I've experienced it, and we can talk about it a little bit later. But go ahead and listen. It's going to open up the discussion on what we're going to be talking about here today. Get back! Get back! 
So that one ended quite a bit different. Not every foot pursuit obviously ends in an officer-involved shooting. Let me give you a little background to this one. This one, 2015, uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma. There was a call into a dispatch where a female said that her ex-boyfriend had threatened to kill her. And they got a call that he showed up at the church where there was supposed to be a wedding. Now, he had the information, and basically the threat was, I've got a bullet with your name on it, something to that effect. So when the officer came on scene, he knew that the male was there per the call. He approached, and he attempted to do a Terry Brisk, um, which for the officer, great, great police work. Uh, and for anyone that wants to look up what a Terry Frisk is, we're not going to go into great detail, but basically it's a pat down. With the information that he had, uh, knowing that the threat involved a bullet, obviously a firearm, officer does his job. During the pat down, he noticed the behavior. Suspect was extremely nervous, shaking, and then he felt a gun. And during the pat down, when the officer felt the gun, that's where the suspect took off. Takes off running, makes it to a street. While he's running, the gun falls out. And so the officer drew at that point. He was still facing the officer as he was picking it up. That's when the first shot rang out. Suspect tries to run away. More shots were fired by the officer. We're not going to be talking about the, was it a righteous shoot, wasn't it? That's not the purpose of this episode. I'm going to tell you right now, we could do a whole episode on uh, justification and and uh, was the officer in the right? I can tell you in this situation he was, but that's not what we're going to be talking about. This was a foot pursuit, and if you could see the, the pandemonium, it was just people yelling. The officer was trying to tell people, get him back, get him back. There was a pastor for the church that uh, drove his vehicle up, tried to input himself into the situation. The officer was telling him that's who he was talking with the majority of the time because the pastor wanted to give aid. I think the pastor in this situation, he knew about the situation with the female. And so I, I think he had the right idea that he was just trying to be a do-gooder, help the situation, help the young man that was just shot by the officer. I don't know that he was um, trying to interfere just because it was a cop, a cop. And somebody from his congregation was just shot. I think he just doesn't understand. And I think that's the purpose of us talking about a lot of these things is for the public, the general public to understand what an officer has to do in these types of situations. And again, we're, we're not specifically talking about foot pursuits and an officer involved shooting, but he has to clear the scene. He has to make sure it's safe. This is no different with any foot pursuit. I've been involved with foot pursuits where we took the suspect into custody and we had a lot of onlookers that were yelling at us and they were trying to get up and saying, what, would, what did he do? What did he do? What did he do? And I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have time to give you a breakdown and a rundown, war and peace as to what this guy did from start to finish. Right, or you don't have legal justification to tell them. That's, it's none of their business and all exactly. you know, in exactly. actuality. So part of what I wanted to talk about, having this be a conversation piece, again, isn't about the shooting itself. We can... We, can do many, many episodes that have to do with that. But when an officer is involved in a situation where he had to take someone into custody or in this incident of what you just heard, 
deal with a lot of other people. Instead of approaching, he's telling other units to step it up. And instead of, as an officer, approaching and making sure that the individual is safe or the scene is safe so that he can render aid, which would involve handcuffing and then rendering aid, this pastor was uh, taking his attention away from what he should have been doing as an officer, which happens often when we don't have backup officers on scene. And so when we're discussing foot pursuit, what I want our listeners to understand is everything that goes into our thought process. When do we decide to do it? Um, Are there times that we don't do it? And what it all involved with radio traffic and getting other officers to the area, if we can open it up and, and talk about it a little bit. I think one of those things is it's very similar. Like we talked in vehicle pursuits. It's uh, you know, it's everything goes into a factor time of day, location, uh, severity of the crime, uh, officer subject factors, all of those things uh, like we've talked about in vehicle pursuits go into that uh that foot pursuit and engaging in it and making that decision as to whether you are going to engage or not. Uh, I know sometimes a lot of times officers can get caught up in that, uh, that, uh, that squirrel mentality and they're just going to chase regardless to chase. Um, but a lot of officers are, are real critical thinkers and they're thinking, Hey, is this something I really need to engage in? Because um, they are actually pretty dangerous and not always to end in an officer involved shooting, but, they, they're still inherently dangerous because you're running into unknowns and that's, that's a huge concern and one you have to take into consideration on those. Yeah, another thing to think about, are you by yourself? Are you with anyone? Um, radio traffic, are you able to get it out? Do you have your lapel mic with you or are you an officer that is showing up to something and you don't have a radio with you? We see foot pursuits all the time across the nation where you you see them chasing into an alleyway and stuff like that. And then you can hear people on the radio, where are you at, where are you at? And they're not giving that information. And I mean, if you're even ducked down fighting with the person between two cars, your backup's going to drive right by you. Mm. Do you know where you're at? Well, that's the biggest thing. That's what I was going to say is a lot of that has to do with officer's decision to go into a foot pursuit. If they don't have a squirrel moment, hopefully officers calm, collect, gather their thoughts. What situation am I in? Am I in? Uh, Who am I dealing with? What was the crime that had that individual or what was the, um, the stop for whatever your, the investigatory stop uh, coming up on someone, even if it was just a level one, which for our listeners is a consensual uh, officer comes up and just starts talking with you a little bit of information, but do you know where you're at? And that's huge off of what Cam just said. Many times I've, I've been on in my career where a foot, uh, foot pursuit is going on and the officer has a, a difficult time relaying exactly where he's at. That's a problem for the officer. That's a problem for safety. And other officers want to get there, contain the area, help the situation uh, to end without any problems. But I think knowing where you're at is key. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and part of that too is um, I think a lot of times we get in the, the mindset of, we have to catch this guy like we're going to overtake somebody. Uh, and a lot of times that's not always the case. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I've, I've chased a few people in my days and uh, I'm, I'm fast, but I'm not that fast. I'm not faster than everybody. You know <laughs> what I mean? There's people out there that are faster than I am that can get out and, and, and get on their horse and get going. But if you catch them. 
Yeah. Yeah. You catch him running down. You're like, I'm super excited. But <laughs> that's the thing is uh, sometimes it's, it's just staying in visual sight of that person, letting them wear themselves down because what happens at the end of that foot, foot pursuit is going to be key. If it's long and drawn out, yeah, uh, you could be tired, you could be winded, you could be um, fatigued, all of those things. If it Even if it's a short one, um, you come around that corner, your adrenaline is up and you come across the subject who's turned around to tackle you or you tackle them and now you guys are on the ground and uh, engaged in, in, a, in a physical resist. So it's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. What are you going to do at the end of it is always one of those things to take yeah. into consideration. Yeah, and there's a lot to think about. I, I, vehicle pursuits alone, I mean, we, we did a whole episode on that. And I think one of the things that we really didn't talk about is everything that's going on or maybe not as much, we didn't talk about it in as much detail, but everything that's going on within your mind and, and the split second decisions that you're making. Um, I've, been, I've been involved with one foot pursuit where I chose to not pursue. But I, it, once the individual got up and, and started running, I had to stay with the victim of what I was investigating at that time, at that point. Other officers were in the area, but it, it, you lunge. And I found myself like lunging, like, oh, I'm about ready. Oh, okay. No. And your mind catches up to the situation and you're able to evaluate it like you should. Um, but there's a lot of things that, that the average citizen doesn't understand goes into these decisions that we make from the time that you arrive on scene, everything that you're looking at, reviewing, evaluating as you're walking up, what information came into dispatch at the time on a call, if you're responding to a call, not something that you're just walking up on your own, but you're reading everything that the caller gave to dispatch that's relayed to you. And then you arrive on scene with that information. And now you're evaluating the entire area. And then you make contact with suspect or suspects. And then if they decide to pop smoke and they run, now you're processing just like what I said. And you kind of lunge and it's like, do I, don't I? Do you have officers close enough? Are you out manned? Is there a possibility of, of weapons involved? There's so much that goes into it. Um, if there's something that our citizens can say, what can I do if I see one of these? The biggest thing that I, I, I can say is be a good witness. If you guys agree, yeah. be a good w a witness. Maybe you saw something that officers didn't. Maybe you saw them hunker down. You can call in. Um, I think as part of that is you're catching the very end of, of this situation, right? Whether the officer is in a physical fight and ends in an OIS um, the, the, the suspect just gives up because they're tired or done running. Um, any one of those things, we take a person into custody safely. You're kind of showing up at the very end with very little information. And then if you have some sort of preconceived notion, um, because of interactions, media, all those things, um, with law enforcement, are you helping or hindering what's going on? And oftentimes, even though you may think you're helping, you're, you end up, hindering what's trying to go on because had this officer in this case been able to render aid rather quickly, obviously we don't know the outcome, right? Though the, that OIS could have been fatal regardless, but right. at least he's able to take that person to this into custody and start rendering aid, start um, patching holes and, and, you know, start plugging uh, things that are bleeding and all of that stuff and 
give that person the best opportunity to survive that encounter. Um, but if, again, if you're engaged in that and not allowing the officer to do that, cause we don't know what's going on. We don't know the neighborhood. We don't know. Do we have, does he have sympathizers? Does he have people around him that are going to really, uh, engage with us? So those are tough things to, to all have to manage that you just don't know that unknown is, is critical. The unknown is huge. And that, that was the point that I was trying to make is there are so many things to consider and, and with the example that we played, that officer was dealing with a lot. You heard uh, not only the pastor yelling, let me help, let me help, but yet the scene wasn't safe yet. Officer had already seen the gun. You heard people in the back. I don't know if you guys heard it. It was really faint. And I apologize to the listeners if you weren't able to. But there were people in the back yelling, no, he didn't. You know, when the officer yelled out, he's got a gun, you heard people in the background saying he didn't have a gun. He didn't have a gun. Well, the pastor yeah. said it too. Right. Right. I didn't hear the pastor say it, but I, I did hear it in the background. But then you also heard other individuals say, let him do. Everyone back off. Everyone back off. And this is what officers deal with uh, often. You have people on scene that may be a little bit more pro-law enforcement and know that we have a job to do and that we've been trained in certain ways. And I think this was a perfect example as to a lot of times what officers will experience with any foot pursuit. And again, I'm not just talking about officer-involved shooting or any situation that ends up in a shooting. Um, this could be uh, just, again, I've experienced it where we ended up uh, catching the individual that was in the foot pursuit with us, but then there's other sympathizers around and, and they start yelling at the officers, you know, what did he do? He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. And again, that's the level head and all the things that an officer has to deal with, but think about when they're on scene. Um, but again, going back to what can the citizens do? I agree with Jared. I think the best thing that you can do when you see things like this is, am I going to help the situation or am I going to hinder it? And if you're already anti-cop and no matter what we do and no matter uh, any decision that we make and action that we take, if you're already going to uh, go against us, you're, you're a hindrance to any investigation that we're doing. And you're definitely not going to help the situation, especially in one like this. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but. Yeah, well, to, to piggyback off of what you guys are saying, uh, this this video actually, or audio clip, breaks it down pretty well as far as you take like this pastor, for instance, say that he hears that one of the members is harassing another one, so cops get called, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, the officer shows up because he knows more information than the pastor at this point and sees the gun, feels the gun, and he engages in the shooting, and this pastor thinks there is no firearm maybe doesn't know all that stuff. How many times has that happened for us? I've been on felony stops yeah. where citizens think we just pulled a car over and we're just pulling guns out. Guns out, guns a-blazing. But there's yeah. a lot that can happen that we know that you know a citizen might not know. The person who's a robbery suspect from up the road is trying to fit in with the people at the store two blocks down, just acting nonchalant. Officers roll up and felony stop and detain them. Sometimes you'll get get those people who think we're just being overly aggressive. Right. We're just out there to, to, to rule the world, I guess. But no, I think uh, a lot of those things, you're just, there's a ton of factors and it's constant evaluation, just like uh, vehicle pursuit. It's constant evaluation. What, where am I going? How am I going to get there? Who am I chasing? Why am I chasing? Um, you know, what am I going to do when we get to the end of this thing? Um, and there's just not, um, like we were chatting about earlier, there's not a lot of information about, foot pursuits because it's not uh it doesn't uh it's not really tracked our, yeah, yeah it's it, not one it's of our uh, uh recordable um 
type incidences where we have, you know, uh, use of force, vehicle pursuits, those right. types of things. Um, those are tracked that the that the feds want to know about. So uh, the statistics on them, um, things that I've said uh, that I've seen, there's just not a lot. And actually, uh, one uh, study that I read that came out of uh, town back east, uh, uh, agency back east, the sheriff's office with about 475 officers, 200 so thousand uh, population is that uh, their deputies actually it was about 50 50 whether they engaged in a foot pursuit or not so so a lot of officers aren't really engaging again this was just kind of a localized um, one from this from the sheriff's office but uh, and then where are they seeing injuries from how are officers getting hurt we know in vehicle pursuits officers are getting hurt from accidents whether they uh, impact a citizen in that um, whether they crash uh, the suspect crashes those types of things and what they're seeing a lot in these foot pursuits is that officers are being injured um, not from the suspect ironically mm-hmm. which is yeah. kind of weird what you would think you know in in our eyes you know that's where officers are getting injured but they're actually being injured on accidents so stepping in a gopher hole you know tripping over a speed bump hitting a fence it's right? not, it's or not, just injury just it's step not like wrong. a track at a, a college or a high school you know what yeah. I mean I mean it's not like hey you guys go ahead even though you're wearing all this equipment go ahead and go on the track and just run around you got to deal with ditches. You got to deal with walls. You got to deal with uh, little drop-offs, and and unless you know where those things are coming from, that's where a lot of the injuries, a lot of rolling the ankles. And yeah, and it's yeah, that's where they're seeing a lot of that. And like I said, you just don't know what you're going to encounter as you turn around. And I've been involved in a couple of foot pursuits that I'm running, thinking, oh yeah, hey, this is. This is a nice, easy little three-foot wall. I'm going to clear this thing, right? I'm a hurdler. I got this thing no problem. And then on the other side is a nine-foot drop, and you go, whoa, 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 Oops. hit the brakes. Yeah. And and so those types of things are, are how uh, a lot of um, what they were seeing is where officers were getting injured, um, not necessarily at the very end of, of that foot pursuit. So I'm sure the listeners can put two and two together, but the, uh, the danger for officers in a foot pursuit is going to, dramatically increase at night oh yeah and and it has to do with visibility and and whether we can see around the corners and you you really as an officer have to uh, gauge is this fruit really worth the squeeze to get all that juice out you know and that goes back to the original what information do you know uh what occurred what what do you think uh played a part in that individual running away from you and and is it important that you get them right then and there yeah. And it's a lot like the vehicle uh, pursuit episode that we talked about. Much of the same, it's just a little bit different. Yeah, now you're, in, you're engaged in it in a, in a physical manner. And um, like we've hit on before, what's your fitness level? You know, is your fitness level uh, capable of, of running and staying in the fight if that's what it comes to at the very end? Or even just your foot pursuit carries on for, eh, let's just say, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, I know that we always train for the the mile and a half, the Cooper standard, uh-huh. but uh, I ain't running no mile and a half after somebody. Good, good on you. If, if, I I don't even like running the mile and a yeah, half. Yeah, no. And good on you if you can do that. Uh, <laughs> no, but even you know, hundred, two, three, four hundred yards, you know, at, at top speed, that's a lot. That's oh, going to take, take a, it out. Of that's going to take a ton out of you. Yeah. So, is your fitness level able to once you get to the that end point, able to think? Uh, act, react, and, and be effective in that taking that person into custody, even safely, even if they give up. Are you capable of getting to that end point 
and being able to collect yourself, calm yourself and, and be um, under control. Because a lot of times once you're fatigued and that, you know, the old saying, uh, fatigue makes coward of us all. And that's when you get a lot of yelling at the very end of that is, uh, you know, officers screaming and yelling because that's, that's all they know, right? They're, they're kind of back in that, not necessarily cold black. I wouldn't go that far, but that's fatigue will get yeah, you. It'll get you every it's time. Almost, it's almost like wrestling one of your DT instructors on the mat and you're, you're so fatigued and he says that he only put like 8% in and I was like 80 to a hundred. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Eight point very much. Seven five. Physical is so much a part of it. And I, I agree with that. Uh, Cam, if you remember back in the day, there was an individual that uh, was a sports star. I guess we'll say that sports star at a local college and he was known to cause problems with patrol. And I've always considered myself. Yeah. He's fast in, in, in pretty good shape. He's fast. I remember. In pretty good shape. And I'm not a young buck anymore, and I wasn't exactly a young buck uh, when all these things were going down with this individual. But he was wicked fast. Fast man alive, huh? Oh, my goodness, he was wicked fast. And, and I knew I, I never had to participate in a foot pursuit trying to track him down. But if he did, <laughs> when they run like that, we let him go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pretty much one of those. Yeah, I had one. We'll he was another day. He was a young man, uh, very physically fit, very, you know, uh, athletic. And he took off running. I was good for about the first 150 yards. But then he just, he was just fat, fat. He was the fastest man alive. At that point. Yeah, well, at that point. When yeah. you told the story, he was yeah, definitely. he was super like he, fast. He could have ran in the Olympics, yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. could have, 100%. When you tell the story. Yeah. So, again, going back to um, our listeners, again, it's a lot of people say, Hey, were you part of that foot pursuit? You know, people have come up to me and say, I was, I was driving down and I saw these officers running out. Were you in the area? A lot of people think I, apparently that I work 24 seven because they will always ask me, were you a part of it? Or, you know, it, right. Yeah. Cause we all know everything. And there's been a couple of times that I look at them and say, were you a good witness? And they're like, well, what, what, what do you mean? I said, did you, I mean, did the officers keep good eye on them? I mean, how long did you see this situation? Did they keep good eye? Did you call in? Anything like that. And, of course, I'm joking with them. But in all seriousness, if you see something like this, and we, I, I've been a part of situations where we've lost track of someone. They ran from officer, whether it was on a traffic stop, whether it was on a, a call that an officer was responding to, and, and we lose them. I know that I personally got hurt going back to injuries. I was talking to you guys about it before we uh, hit the air. But there was a, a situation where we were involved with a foot pursuit. Someone actually ran from a house. We were looking for him. Uh, he had an active warrant and had committed a crime. And this wasn't his house, but he started hopping houses, uh, backyards, and hopping fences. The problem with what we were dealing with at that time, because we, we knew who he was. We knew he had a warrant. Uh, we knew that we had probable cause to arrest him on the crime that we were looking for him with. But this was right around the time that kids were coming home from school. And we don't know how many kids are in these backyards that he's hopping in. And we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Is he going to uh, become so desperate that, you know, hostages are taken? So we, we made the decision to start hopping backyards. But we also knew the area. And we also had four of us. And so we set up as much containment I just happened to go over a wall. You talk about things that you just aren't expecting, and there was a branch right there. I ended up with a nice little cut and a nice little shiner. We ended up getting him in that same backyard, but again, it's the unknown. 
But we, we had to think of that as well. Time of day, did we know the area? Did we have enough officers to affect the arrest? Um, and did we have citizens willing to call in? Right. right. Did you blow up that fence? So one of my favorite, my favorite <laughs> videos is seeing it, the officer, they chasing somebody, goes up and over the fence. First officer goes up and over the fence. Next officer blows right through that blows, final yeah, fence, just right blows through right through it. Like it's nothing. I, I'd imagine that'd be something that you would do. Yeah. I, I probably, I'd hop it. Obviously, my biggest Cam, fear you'd, is... You'd probably think about going Hulk smash on it, but uh, I think you would run right through it. <laughs> I'm a gazelle. I'll right, jump through without it. touching it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. He's got the vertical. That's yeah, right. No. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm gonna hit it, hope that there's not a chain link fence or a brick wall on the other side of it because it's going to hurt. <laughs> uh, for, for any officers that are listening, I, I kind of want to talk about the dangers of deciding to pursue on your own. Um, you know, I think we've talked about, and there's plenty of articles out there that at least talk about the emotional drive that's involved with these. Uh, we've kind of hit on it, calling it the squirrel moment, but a lot of times officers, um, and I've been there as well when I was a new hire and you see someone run, you almost take it as a personal, like they think they can get away from me. Mm -hmm. Not today type thing. I want to kind of caution you on that. So in 2006, the FBI did some statistics um, they said 38% of officers that were killed were affecting an arrest. 60% of those were by themselves. Mm. So it kind of goes to show um, when you're doing that foot pursuit, we've t you brought it up, Jared, as far as you're chasing them and you, you go hands-on. More often than not, foot pursuits end on mm -hmm. the ground. Rather, it's they get tackled, oh, yeah, they trip up, going something to. like yeah, that. For sure. Yeah. Um, but then they also talked about um, – 70% of the officers were killed within a distance of 15 feet or less. So you're closing that distance. You see it in those videos. That's when the officer, you know, it's kind of like the run, hide, fight that people are taught. They're running first. Obviously, they can't hide. So then they fight once they know that they can't outrun us. And that's where you might see that firearm drawn. Um, and they talked about 86% uh, of the time the officers were injured during these, uh, they were on the ground. Um, so it kind of goes to show there's an agency, a fairly large agency near where we live. I was talking to them, and one of the things they're taught in foot pursuits is if you catch up to that person, just two-hand shove them to the ground. So yeah. you stay right. on your feet. Yeah. No longer tackle. Just shove them to the ground. Go to a tool. Wait for backup to get there. Um, so some of the things you can do if you see some, a lot of times you can tell when someone wants to run, they start looking around. They start getting their feet ready. Sometimes they'll go as much as like tying their shoes Pants come tightening up. anything, yeah. Pulling, pants, pulling their come pants, up. Yeah. pants come everything. up, yeah. They're given the clues. You'll see them start scouting their, their different areas they can go. Obviously, I can't prove the statistics on how much this works. I feel like it works because you can usually see it in them. But I'll just tell them, it's like, hey, it looks like you're going to run. I'm a lot faster than I look. <laughs> <laughs> and usually them just knowing that I'm tracking, that they're looking at running, right. is enough psychologically where they will decide not to run. You know me on patrol. I mean that that's all awesome points. Uh, Cam back in the day, he he was one of the ones that used to make fun of me because I used to make everyone sit down. Everybody, it doesn't even matter. It's like if we're investigating something, you're going to sit down and then you're going to cross your legs. Just something that I became uh, used to. I haven't used it as much since I've been back on patrol, but it actually was effective. Pretty effective. Because it was just like, no, you're going to sit down. Yeah, those. They, they just sit there and they're like, wait, you want me to, yeah, you're going to sit down and cross your legs, please. Keep your hands out of your pockets. It's a little different than just standing there, you know, and, and Cam, we've used that quite a bit. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm a lot faster than 
I look. Yeah, so and it's in, and going off of what you, Cam, what you said is I've actually seen it. I've seen uh, I had a, a young man, the the fastest the fastest man alive that I chased. Right, we were walking back, and he's like, I, I, I gotta go. I gotta go to the bathroom. It's not a bathroom that way. Let's keep going this way. And he's like, He was gonna make it a bathroom. Uh, yeah, right and I'm like, I go, and I I wish, and I'm like. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't you do it. And then I failed myself because I, I didn't revert back to my, my football training, right? All them years of football, right? Oh. I ar- tried to arm tackle him. Arm just grab onto him. Oh, I thought him. you were going to say that you, you held him. No, uh, no. I mean, all back to your football Yeah, days no, because if I held him, like, yeah, he's not getting away. But I tried to arm tackle him, and, and I missed, and off he went, and off we went. But it was, but it was the indicators because you could just tell he's looking, right, you know, he wasn't necessarily, you know, he's just fixing himself to get ready to to take off. And I'm like, don't you do it. And he did it. <laughs> and he sure did. He did. He sure did. You know, one of the other things, I, I, I have another example. It was a foot pursuit where we had quite a few officers out um, looking for this individual. And we, we had lost him. It was at night. And so it was a little bit more dangerous. It was, a, it was the type of call where it, it could have gone either way. It was a, it was a family fight. And we know that family fights are always unknowns. We don't know what we're coming in on. Uh, even though someone says, I don't, I don't think. When they start throwing out, I don't think he's armed. You know, you're always going to have officers, you know, the, the rabbit ears go up. Red flags go up. But we were searching for this individual for quite a, a long time. And uh, I think we were getting to the point where we were going to call it off. And I went back into a parking lot area and it was a... Uh, it was an area where they had uh, cinder blocks up uh, separating an apartment complex from a field that was, uh, I think, getting ready to have things built on it. And so there was a lot of weeds. You know, you know those fields that we all deal with right. in the desert, and they've got a tons of weeds, tumbleweeds, whatever. And I had my flashlight, <clears throat> and we're trying to be as cautious as possible. We had to split up a little bit. I didn't have my nearest backup uh too far away, but I peeked over a wall and, and I saw a shoe in some deep weeds. And the issue that I have is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I found the guy. So I started using the radio, but because there was a large drop off on the other side, kind of like what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Now as an officer, I'm, I'm, I'm debating my officer safety versus suspect safety. Is he hurt? Because he was laying down and there was no movement. Uh, you could either be completely passed out or you could pl- be playing the dead game and, oh, man, I can't move because the cops are going to see me. But I remember having this this back and forth with myself. Do I wait until someone's here or do I jump over and address whether, th- whether this guy is in medical need? And that's a lot of times where anybody who, who does this for the right reason, which I believe is the majority of officers out there, there's always going to be that time where you're just like, oh, I can't sacrifice my officer's safety, but how hurt is this individual? Right. And yes, he's the suspect, but he's still a human being. And even though my backup wasn't too far away, I made the decision to get on the other side, start calling out to him, you know, using the tools necessary if I needed to use them. And yeah, we had to get medical rolling because he was, he was out a little bit. Um, don't know if that happened because of, uh, intoxication or whether it was from the fall. But again, that's something that officers have to consider, you know, when, when, when to go after it and when to hold back and wait. 
I think going off of Cam, what you said uh, for the officers, um, be your own best backup in in a sense of where is your backup coming? Get them in a place that helps set up this containment on this individual, um, because a lot of people aren't going to run forever, right? They're not they're not marathon runners, so they're not just going to get out and just run and run and run. Uh, and I think you mentioned it earlier, right? The the run hide or fight. Right. They're going to try to get to that place where they can hide, they can hunker down and uh, they can try to just outlast you, you know, moving, trying to, to find the hold in, in your containment to to kind of slip away. So where are you getting your officers coming to? Because I know uh, I've been a, a part of uh, foot pursuits. I'm sure you guys all have uh, as well. And, and officers that are listening, where do your officers normally come to? Right. They usually come to where you're at. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If right the one the thing X. that we know. He's not where you're at. Yeah, exactly. Well, right. Or he or she is not yeah. at where you're at. So let's put officers in the in the best place to catch this individual safely with the numbers that we need to uh, to safely take them into custody. Um, but like I said, but don't get people to your position, right? Get the the officers that you need there to um, for your backup, but that officer, that fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, you know, twelfth. The, all of them, all of the them deputy come, coming, you know? <laughs> the deputy coming from across the county, right? The the trooper that's coming from uh, somewhere in another state because they were because they were listening. Yeah, they were listening to our channel. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is, right? Get all of those um, those extra bodies into places that are useful. You don't need twelve officers where you're standing because yeah. if if you had them, then that's okay. But obviously, you've lost them or you've you know, made that conscious decision not to chase. So, which is a good point as well for all of our officers uh, who are listening. And, and we do have quite a few from different States. Um, we all want you to go home safe. We want to go home safe at night. When there is the, when the running has stopped, let it breathe. And, and just like you're saying, start radio, uh, radioing in where you're at so that supervisors and others around can set up that containment because when the running has stopped, just like Cam mentioned with uh, the statistics, um, it, it does become dangerous, but at least at this point you can do a little slow search, uh, have the personnel that you need, set up the containment, and if you're able to find them, great. Yeah. And once, once the running stops, stop. Yeah, and if you have in your agency, you have other um, tools or assets available to you, whether you have a helicopter, you have canine, um, right? Any one of those people that can track, you know, whatever it is, um, that get those people, get those resources, get those uh, assets to on to you. So it gives you the best chance to be successful and safe and, and go home. But uh, I think that's a, a great uh, a great analogy of, like I said, the, the run, hide, and fight. And a lot of people hunker yeah. down. They, they will hunker down and hide. They're not trying to outrun everybody they're just trying to outrun you and if they can outrun you then they'll work their way to try to slip through that containment if you don't have a good containment set up so yeah i you know and even going back to cam's point uh with the agency the larger agency agency in our area that teaches their officers even down to here's what you should do once you make contact with that suspect in a foot pursuit the hard thing is is to remember your tactics you know what I mean? When you're in that hot pursuit and you're you're really running it down, I mean, run your your hundred yard dashes and see where your heart rate is, see where your adrenaline's at. With gear on. Yeah, with gear on. 
And so depending on how long that lasted, I really like that. I think that all agencies can consider that. I think we could consider that as an agency and say, there are going to be times that foot pursuits are necessary and we do have a foot pursuit policy. And what are we doing with uh, training our officers to make sure that they are uh, tactically sound and ready for those endings? Because everybody knows that the foot pursuit is going to, it's going to be you running, hopefully, as right. we've talked about, being physically fit, being ready. But have we done enough as an agency? And do we, as law enforcement officers, put it on ourselves and say, have I prepared myself for the ending? And I think that that's important. Well, we're creatures of habit. And you know, a lot of officers are former football players. Um, and what happens when you chase someone? You tackle them, whistle blows, you restart. Mm -hmm. So I don't think a lot of times you really think about that. But I mean, when someone's in a full sprint from you, just tapping their heel as they're full sprinting will take most people down, um, as well as, you know, obviously just a two-hand shove or something like that, going to your tools. But something both of you brought up as being your best tool and, and those types of things is you need to know your own limits. If you're to the point where you're getting gassed, you can no longer give proper radio on where you're at, um, where you're heading where you've turned, if you don't know where you're at, you need to discontinue that pursuit. If it goes to the point where this guy decides, I'm done running, I'm going to fight right here, uh, are you ready to take on that fight? If not, then you probably should stop, just try to contain and, and get the resources there. No, absolutely. Keep, uh, keep your wits about you. Keep, uh, keep thinking. That's your biggest weapon. That's your, that's your weapon that's going to... Um, keep you safe is, uh, is your brain. So. Well, I appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, give us your thoughts. If you've seen foot pursuits and you had questions on why or how officers did or conducted themselves, hit us up and we'll continue to clear these corners. Peace, my dad, make it hurt.